Yeah, I had to start recording so we can get this primo content, and Leon. I'll cut out us brainstorming. <laughs> you can have Leon say the uh, <laughs> yeah the opener. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think right. of like some like oh the only podcast. I'm so happy to be back to talk about the show that really puts the fact in atrophagy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can yeah, you can say that if you want. We we are, <laughs> if you want, like, you know. no, I mean, I'd like you to, but like sure. you're sexual, you're allowed to say yeah, it. We're, yeah, we're pro. <laughs> I do fuck men. Yeah, we're pro yes, fag. <laughs> we're pro. This is a pro fag podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, would hope so. Yeah, Uh, this is a pro (laughs) tag podcast. I also fuck men. (laughs) No, (laughs) you know something real dumb though. What? So apparently in Discord, you know how you can like react to messages. Yeah. Right. Apparently, to react to someone's message with the cigarette emoji, you have to have nitro. This is homophobic. I- oh, okay. I didn't even can you know do the, can you do the nail polish one? <laughs> I feel like I that's so. probably that's pretty faggy too. Yeah, but I wanted to call someone a faggot and it wouldn't let me. Oh, I see. <laughs> is know? there a bundle? Is there a bundle of sticks in emojis? <laughs> let's find yeah, let's out. School, actually, I know. Let's go. Let real me old find school. out. Let's let's sticks. There's chopsticks. That seems not good. No, no um, that's problematic. Unlike calling someone a fag. <laughs> there's a, 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 a log like you might split other logs on. I do eh. love the realization that there are people still arguing about the word queer. And it's like, babe, I, I've moved on to saying fag, actually. Oh, man, so, I don't I know. know. I'm a bit like... If there's a bassoon, the word for bassoon in Italian is uh, fagette or something nice. which is very fun so if there's like a bassoon emoji that would be fun or you could just yeah i'm looking at emojis now this is a thing but yeah no it wouldn't let me like like i could like type it as a message because i have the emojis on my phone but if i wanted to like specifically do a react emoji mm-hmm. on someone's message it's like to react with this one you need discord nitro and i was like this is this is anti-proletariat this is bourgeois this is homophobic uh this is gatekeeping this (laughs) is um repressionist yes this is all of it no i'm looking for the cigarette emoji actually (laughs) Uh, because i have nitro so i am like where's my oh there you go actually actually Absolutely. The only podcast that wants to kill you now that we find you interesting, funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only podcast that thinks the trout is a Nietzschean fish. Didn't we do uh, that? I think we did that one last time. Maybe, but this is the season, season when it happens. Yeah. I know it's the wrong <laughs> season. But I did like what he called thinks the trout's a Nietzschean fish. <laughs> when he called when he was like he was a flounder. That was very funny. I liked that. Yeah, what's a wink, a funny wink wink about eating someone for dinner? Long pig. Uh. I mean, there is the pigs. The, the, we do get the vergers yeah. uh, this season, and the 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 pig surrogate, I believe, is is this. Yeah, I mean, you guys can just begin with like uh, saying that we're continuing just because the strike is over. I don't know if you ever. Oh, I like that one. I haven't been gorged, drowned, plucked, or roasted. Not yet. <laughs> the, see, the 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 thing about this season is that so it's not quite as shameless as season three when they knew they were already canceled, and so they were saying shit like spitters or quitters, Doctor Bloom. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. To, but there's also like a bunch of like blood and champagne cum shots in this one, as well as showing that Will Graham can deep throat by the it, the POV cam of Hannibal sticking the 
the tube in the ear and shit like down his throat and stuff. Oh, he was no. having a seizure though, but you know. Yeah, he was having a seizure. Throw, you know. Sometimes you have to just be able to relax. <laughs> There's not a single moment in where Will is relaxed. <laughs> He's always. But still, there's a lot of like, I feel like there's a lot more. Like, there's the scene where like they've got Hannibal and it's like the kind of dream moment and Will like slits his throat and he just like blood cum shots on him. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that this season. Oh, yeah. Should we just say the only podcast that occasionally drops a teacup to shatter on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> on purpose <laughs> it's such sure. a weird thing to say or that we collect church collapses oh that's yeah the only podcast that collects one. church collapses yeah how about that that's a very that's a very iconic hannibal thing though because that's also yeah. in the books yeah yeah okay the only podcast cool that is such a strange thing to say like i know it's from the books too but it's a very strange thing to say mm-hmm. leanne do you have a new list of things that would kill hannibal lecter Oh fuck! Uh, that would have been good. <laughs> it was a meme, wasn't it? Yeah, um, maybe it, it would definitely. Whenever somebody would say "girl dinner," uh, oh, whatever God, "girl dinner" yeah, is, should, it's like, that's funny. Girl, I like dinner. That. girl, girl dinner. dinner, my Roman Empire. I think this this would this would be. Oh yeah, what are you about? Him. You don't think he thinks about the Roman Empire a lot? Oh uh, sure, I think he's definitely more of a Hellenist than a Latinist. But yeah, no, you um, <laughs> to, to be pretentious about it. No. no but, I think uh, you're right about that. <laughs> but he does like do the very 2014 uh, gay moment of, oh, Patroclus and Achilles. Oh. And Achilles. <laughs> the look, I drew us as them. Um, yeah. no. They're brutal warlords, but don't worry about that. You're my um, Patroclus. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. part, I'm like, gay. Yeah. I have a swear yeah. to say. We're one oh, whole damn. song of Achilles later. And I'm like, uh, no. So he, he does think about the Roman Empire. Uh, he even has like the line about the Roman Empire. How they feed pigs. Oh, uh, yeah. When, when mm-hmm. like, Gideon is in his chair. Um, yeah. Oh, I have a fun also- fact about what that leg is made of. But uh, thinking about the Roman Empire reminds me too much of Franklin in season one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't think he likes it when people say, am I Roman Empire? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That's too, that's annoying for him. All right. Well, let's fucking go. We're, we're already recording. <laughs> yeah, so I can use things as well, like a little cold open. Well, 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 well. well. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Tender Subject, the only podcast that collects church collapses. My name is Kate. I'm an artist in South Philadelphia, and my pronouns are she, her, or they, them. I'm Jay. I am a music library director in Boston, and my pronouns are he, him. And since the strikes, both of the strikes are over, we've got a returning guest to continue our Hannibal series. Leon, who the hell are you? Well, I am still me, and I'm very excited to to talk about the show again that puts fag in intro faggy or however you say it. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, happy to be back. Happy to be the second recurring cast, I guess. Is that- I think so. I think so. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I You're the busy. second because we just had Justin on. That's just right. Said, yeah, I, I saw that. Okay. Yeah. You're the <laughs> but, second uh, no. returning guest. Gotta gotta save the best for second order. No, I, I, love, I love you, Justin. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, so happy to be back to talk about the boys. 
The boys. Talking about the boys. The boys. boys. Yeah, so we're talking about Hannibal the series, directed by Brian Fuller. Or created, I guess created by and sometimes directed by Brian Fuller. He's like the showrunner. Showrunner Brian Fuller. And we're doing season two, baby. Yeah, baby. Let's start getting weird. Not that it wasn't weird before. This has been a really normal podcast up until now. Yeah, That's something I hear from everyone. And season one is totally every only normal things happen in season one. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I do feel like season two, it gets a little more unhinged. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not as tight. Mm -hmm. That is a, a critique I have of it. But that allows it to do some really fun things, too. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Where, where did we want to well, start, I, I was suppose. thinking, like, we let, we ended our episode about season one, speaking of Unhinged, with the question, is this a supernatural show? Like, are there supernatural mm. elements in this show? And yeah. I feel like we could talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, like, is it yeah. dream? Are they dreams? Are they hallucinations? Or, like, these things actually happening? There's the bird that was sort of magically in the... The little holy the mountain. Like, uh, yeah, like, where does that... Yeah, like, where does that come from? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I'd i like to talk about the, you know, the two sort of, like, beasts that are yeah. a big part of this season throughout the, the stag and the windigo. Um, One time at MAGFest, I bought yeah. someone's, like, homemade, not a Funko Pop, but of the Dire Raven stag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an off-brand Funko Pop? I cosplayed as the Dire Raven stag one okay. time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be At something. MacFest. Yeah. <laughs> hot. Hot. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking about, because, I mean, we talked about this last time, too, like, what genre this show fits into. And, like, you know, is it a procedural? Is it a detective show is it a fairy tale i mean i think it's all it can be all of the above but yeah should we talk about genre a little bit and like the supernatural yeah yeah because like i I feel like something that because i I know you'll want to talk more about like fairy tales yeah but like i feel like what this show does is it flirts with the very specific like literary concept of the fantastic Mm -hmm. right like that moment um where you sort of like cross over into suddenly knowing all of this like stuff like this was a, a librarian friend of mine and I were going to write this paper about uh, info seeking and horror films as like the moment where like the fantastic is revealed right even if it's not a supernatural horror but that moment where like the way you thought things were is suddenly proved to be completely wrong like there's all of this stuff that you didn't know before like you enter into this more fantastic like reality and i feel like hannibal is like that to the extreme both for the audience and i think the characters within it and i think that's how it can flirt with sort of is it supernatural is it not regardless it's suddenly this fantastic realm of like things being opened up to people yeah and i think like you know if this were like a standard procedural because it does do like a little bit of the like murder of the week thing um, yeah it would have it would feel tidy at the end to a certain extent Mm -hmm. it doesn't really and often like the murders of the week feel like just sort of a way to kind of like play around with aesthetics and also sort of show that like all the other serial killers out there are not as good as Hannibal you know like I mean it's very 
X-Files, like all of the Monster of the Week episodes are really messy. And sometimes they kind of end with a like, uh? <laughs> yeah. And like, like your point about this being a messy season, I think like there's some editing stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like I think when the Vergers come in, you're like, we're, did we know them before? You know, and I like, I mean, people know them. If you're like a Hannibal <laughs> aficionado, you know these characters. I but, love Michael Pitt. <laughs> oh God! Well, and the other, the, um, he's such a freak. What's her name? Margot. Margot. Margot She's that one Ginger, actress. Yeah. She was in Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Yeah. So also I uh, American like, Mary, I think. Okay. She's done a lot of horror. Yeah, um, she has a yeah. great face. Horror, she's I hot she's great yeah <laughs> um well, that she barely looks lucid at any point in time which is exactly how, how anyone yeah. should feel i feel about uh being the sister of that guy that oh, guy oh yeah mason a mason yeah. verger yeah oh. precisely i love mason verger he's such an awful piece of shit so he's like he i think he i can be one because he's rich and an heir you know michael pitt is my favorite part of this season as mason because it's not michael pitt in season three they got a different actor to play fucked up mason verger um but michael pitt yeah but michael pitt as as unfucked uh mason verger he 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 read the assignment and he went i'm gonna do extra credit oh yeah and like (laughs) he played like a wannabe serial killer in on law and order svu on one episode and he's like kind of like this too like he's also in funny games wasn't he yeah i think so he just is so good at playing just like a diabolical extremely hot piece of shit like you're just like i i'm i'm so like oh he's in hedvig too yeah he is that's when he was like a baby but you know twink michael pitt yeah so drawn to him he's so charming and so disgusting right you're Um, like fuck me in the pig stalls yeah baby i'll never tell anyone about it yeah um but yeah i think so i i bought a book Hannibal's Fairy Tale, Cultural Lessons of the Television Series by Michelle Lee Gomph. It just came out. I need to reach out to that author and maybe get her on. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, it's a great book. You know, she's specifically talking about how, like, the the structure of fairy tales and how this this show kind of, or actually not even just this show, but, like, Hannibal becomes a character that could be in fairy tales and folk tales because, Mm -hmm. like, the idea of him almost being his own, being that he's been in so many different, like, directors' works and authors' works, that he's a character mm-hmm. that can kind of, like, walk on and off the page and the screen. And he's always, and he's different like... different in all of them. Yeah. yeah, he's always recontextualized based on, like, what that person wants to say about him. So, like, in a way, he's kind of like a, you know, folktale character himself. Yeah. And I guess, actually, I think... Yeah, Harris said, like, in the foreword to one of the novels that Hannibal was, like, not really his creation. He was an autonomous character. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Yeah, because I recently... I, I've read all of them now except for Hannibal Rising. And, yeah, I, I think it's a, the foreword to... It might be the foreword to Red Dragon, actually. Um, Because yeah. uh, uh, it's, like, a reissue of Red Dragon. Red Dragon. So he's, like, looking back on writing this. It's, like, how there was this one thing and then it just kind of took over maybe 
it's been a couple months, but yeah, like the way that he talks about this character that he wrote is, and, and like if you read the books, which I would love to do episodes about the oh, books, absolutely, um, yeah. They start reading like fan fiction, but and, that the author like, is writing, right? And like Fuller Hinge Fuller <laughs> series is also kind of it's like un- fan fiction, yeah. and and so it's like all of the people who are creators using the Hannibal character are writing fan fiction about Hannibal. Yeah. In a way. And like, it's all like a simulacrum. But there's not like yeah, an original like, Hannibal. Right. There's just like this like idea that floats around. And isn't that kind of like cannibalistic in its own way? Is it, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it sure. guy? <laughs> <laughs> Leon, what do you think about the like Hannibal as supernatural or fairy tale or where the season kind of gets weird. I mean, it's it's really interesting because there's like it's indeed what you guys are indicating. Like it's it's really difficult to navigate these non-permeable borders between what is Hannibal and is in as many iterations of it. And something that we talk a lot about on our podcast is like these by doing a character in so many ways, we see the value of art imbuing a character with transcendental value, as in it can now like we don't have to establish Hannibal and we kind of right. do in the show in season one but we already know who Hannibal is and I jokingly called Hannibal the Dracula of cannibals but it, <laughs> no, it, it, within this context it does kind of like ring true how we don't have to introduce Dracula it's, sorry whenever I say Dracula I'm always uh, experiencing the PTSD of the Netflix show Dracula where uh, I, in, I envision uh, him with his eyes <laughs> So I'm I always watched like an episode. Not for me. There are some interesting things about that show, but I still want to murder Stephen Moffat with my bare hands. Continue. <laughs> so I'm sorry for being set back by that real quick, but yeah. um, but yeah, no. It, and this show then does take on a little bit more of a, in, with all love and respect, a bit more of a lucid structure. But that fit mm. because once again, uh, at this point, I, I I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think with anybody with with a taste of art that I respect, at least, it, it's just here for Hannibal and Will, sort of kind of like we love the other characters, but we understand I that this like dynamic deal, yeah. is the beating heart of the show, <laughs> and. <laughs> So because of that, you're allowed to kind of take your foot off the gas of the other structures that are coming in, that are swirling around the chaotic tension that is Hannibal, Will, Hannigram, or whatever you want to call it. So I, th- I think that then helps to insert a more fairy tale reading of everything else that's going on. So I do see where you guys are coming from. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, the idea that like, like Hannibal kind of goes on forever. Like it's been, when was the first book written? Oh, 80s? Yeah, right. I think so. Drag. I can, I have the computer. You do. <laughs> um, so I mean, like, 1981. Okay. So like 40 something years and Hannibal sort of is like, he's always evading. Like you kind of get an idea that like, even when he gets caught, like he's sort of okay with it because then he's he has all these like machinations that he's able to do like in prison you know Mm -hmm. like i mean he's in silence of the lambs for like 20 minutes and what oh my god well anyway so yeah but like that's what people take away from that movie is this something like like that 
just absolutely hypnotized by Hannibal Lecter. And like he is, you know, in prison, like he shouldn't have any, you know, like we think of, of prison as like a, you know, powerless institution for the people who are in it. But like somehow Hannibal is able to control people even in like, you know, a cage. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because you're like talking about what I think is what making us love or makes us love the characters like Hannibal because they are inherently like in my humble opinion I would love to hear what you guys think about this but the most defining trait besides the cannibalism um, of Hannibal is his gyroscopic character there is no version of Hannibal that exists that is the cannibal and mm. so because of this oh, gyroscopic- 16 minutes sorry <laughs> Okay, no, it's a double, but like, still, that's very small in a feature. Sorry, no, no yeah. it's a word. So. It's it's interesting that uh, we always like we generally gravitate towards the gyroscopic because it's like oh wow they're like a whole person they are like and there are some thinking flaws going on there but at the same time it's never a bad watch to watch someone who is very gyroscopic and you can play with that in certain ways you know there's there's a whole thing about that but generally I do think this is what explains our attraction to. Uh, Hannibal. We got a little bit into it in the previous episode where we talked about how we might not like Hannibal, but we do want to be admired by a man like Hannibal. And this is... (laughs) This is on, on, on the other hand very understandable because we all love competency, right? We're, being good at a thing is hard. Like you know, that's there's nothing wrong with saying that. And but at the same time, Hannibal sits at that specific inter uh, intersection of being competent and being hot because of that, and also being competent at the things he's competent at, namely like oh he understands classical music, oh he is good at cooking, and there are some patriarchal quasi patriarchal. <laughs> And a harpsichord, which and means he's good with his the hand. two hottest instruments. Yeah, precisely yeah. <laughs> the one you don't touch. No, it's so he sits at this very interesting intersection about patriarchal values and also just general attraction to competency. I think that's so uh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like the ability Hannibal has to like sort of in the show, I think slip in and out. Like he's kind of I don't know. He's kind of like a ghost in a lot of ways, like an extremely hot ghost. He like slips in and out of things and and places and like also like in the show he does that but also as a like sort of character. I like that. Oh, sorry, Shay, go on. Yeah, I would say that this is probably like of the three seasons. This is probably the most capital G gothic <laughs> one mm-hmm. um, because of like because like, in the first one it's just kind of like I feel like the season two has much more of a focus on like weird secrets in your past and like a big focus on like the place things are happening like will goes to a specific place right goes goes to his like ancestral like his home like there's like the the place as character Hannibal kind of going in and out like a ghost we start getting these more supernatural figures yeah and and plus like the weird incest shit between Mason and Margot yeah um which kudos but. for not playing that up. Well, in Game of Th- when this was released, Game of Thrones was the, the hottest shit out there. So uh, yeah, kudos for them for like re taking that this a couple steps back again. Yeah, like because in the in the books, it's like it's not an active thing anymore. It's like when they were kids, he would make her, but like as adults she like has a she's like has like a 
a, a wife basically um in, in in the books like already like she's already like fuck you mason dyke mode like <laughs> lifting weights and then shit like she's real butch yeah uh, yeah in the in the book so it's yeah, like it, 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 it yeah like it exists but like even in the books it's not like something that's played up the incest between the two of them it's just like something that's mentioned from them being kids i think i do say i do want to say that season three talks about william blake and the great red dragon so i don't know if that's less goth yeah we have to talk about season two we definitely have to do blake blake of gamza and season three yeah no (laughs) see because red dragon that's my favorite yeah Uh, and i love the movie manhunter like i love francis dollarhide like uh, (laughs) so fucking good i can't wait till we get to season three (laughs) i love it it's a beautiful Um, season it's it's Maz Mickelson and Jillian Anderson being hot in Italy. Yeah, I for mean, half really, a season. It's kind of hard to not <laughs> then like that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my husband is very particular about the way I taste. I'm like, thank you, Brian Fuller. Like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, I. I do find very interesting to think of Hannibal as like a ghost. I like mm-hmm. without disagreeing, I think like that is touching upon what this show is trying to put forth, like this endless protean creation of humanity yes. in general, but specifically Hannibal and how Hannibal functions. Because Hannibal, like, you know, like all humans doing, only he does it in a very weird way where he defines his reality through his relationship with other people. And why he is then still very interesting is because once again, his gyroscopic character that is can only be be tackled when he chooses to interact uh, or build this relationship in this case with will and because that's once again the only reason why he's caught sort of kind of it is his choice to manipulate will to entangle himself with will is what's because otherwise he probably would have never been caught so that's like a very interesting like he's kind of a goat but at the same time the ghost becomes so material because he needs to entangle himself with will he needs to like mount him on his little antlers and so forth so what kind of ghost is he is he a poltergeist I, I, I don't is know. he a poultry guy? Like- <laughs> poultry guy, yeah. No. A poultry geist. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, you can touch the, in some, yeah, I guess in some myths you can like touch a ghost or a ghost like sticks around to sort of like meddle. I mean, you know, when the and, ghosts like, are ghosts up to a point, right? What? I mean, when the ghosts are ghosts up to a point, like they kind are, of, yeah, they're so, transformative and you know, yeah, they so linger around to- as a punishment, which is like what a ghost in some cultures originally was. Totally, yeah. So, I'd love to talk about the Wendigo, um, and then also like the stag. Hell so, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of um, Love scenes. I know I can't get enough of antler I, talk. Same. Welcome to <laughs> Antler Corner yeah. with Kate Terry. Um, <laughs> the so, antler hour, yeah, so. Like, there's a lot of parts in these sort of, like, fantastical scenes that are, you know, they're not, like, quite written as dreams or even hallucinations. Like, we see them happening and there's no cut where it's like, oh, he just woke up or like, oh, he was staring into space or whatever. There's a few of those, but, like, there are a lot of scenes that, like, we are led to believe this is possibly happening where you see a stag followed by a wendigo or like sometimes both of them together the stag is usually like a symbol of of help 
and like direction, like a guide, you know, whereas the Wendigo is obviously an extremely menacing creature. Very unnerving. They are mostly like they're from like Algonquin stories, but also just a lot of other like Northern North American stories about, you know, extremely cold, extremely desolate, extremely unforgiving climate. You've been to Montana in the winter? It's yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and they're thought to be in a lot of ways, like sort of like ways to reinforce social norms because, you know, cannibalism is yeah. for most, most places and people considered to be like, you know, the one of the universal taboos. And, you know, the idea that if, if you are to become a Wendigo, you, your heart turns to ice, like your, your whole heart becomes like a block of ice. So you have no feeling anymore. They're also genderless, which I think is really interesting. But so like, there's kind of two iterations of Wendigo, like there's the the Wendigo that is like, you know, lurking in the forest, ready to eat you, but also whispering on the wind, you know, that you should think about eating your family or like your friends, like, why not give it a try? It's fun. It's good. You're hungry. And, you know, it's like choosing to ignore the Wendigo is a sign of like strongly supporting your community and your family and not going it alone, not, you know, making poor decisions like in the wilderness in the winter. Like, you know, you need to be with your tribe or your family or your community and like choosing to follow the Wendigo is like the selfish path. Yeah, no, I, I think it's very interesting that... <laughs> There, there, we, we do have two, I don't want to call them problems because it's fine, but there are two challenges with approaching Hannibal and its metacontextual messaging, mainly that this show has uh, spiritual symbolism coming out of the ass of the show. That's fine. It does. Cool. It really does. <laughs> it's, it's but a, they're not it's careful a, about it. That's all. It's a poo-poo platter of, yeah. of spiritual symbolism. Yeah. And also the, <laughs> the fact that the symbolism of the antlers specifically is so fucking widespread because the deer is a very widespread animal. So there are like so many you, different True Detective season one. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about True Detective season three on this show. I think I think we have to. But anyway, <laughs> yes. And and you know, th there's so many different readings of like, oh, when an antler sh uh, when an antler a set of antlers shows up, it means this. No, and then there's another culture saying, no, it actually means this. And the other culture says, oh, it actually means this. So just one like very cool disclaimer. None of this is definitive. The no, no. Thing, yeah, for somebody. But I think it's. I think it's important, like, because you know, I, the reason why it is the we're reading it as the Wendigo is because it is like in the in the script as mm -hmm. Wendigo. <laughs> so you know, because it could be read as something else. You know, like Wendigos are usually like extremely bloody and gory, and they smell really bad. And you know, that is pretty incongruent with Hannibal. Yeah, um, but I think you know the idea that like the Wendigo is like this creature who needs more and more and more all the time it's insatiable it is it will is ever swallowing and and ever um it's all good things gorging yeah apparently the i mean one there this is also really hard to talk about because it's you know it's like their tales that were an oral tradition and like there are also some some people who say that like the wendigo tale didn't exist until 
white colonialists came to these areas and like made contact with the tribe. So like, is it a, is it a not original made up story that like tribes told white people to be like, get the fuck out of our territory? (laughs) You know, like we don't really know, but it's still a potent symbol. And I wanted to ask like what you think about, I guess that symbol of the Wendigo appearing to Will over and over again. Like, is it Hannibal? Is it him, like, feeling like he's falling into some sort of, like, he's being whispered to? Well, it's interesting that, like, is like, yeah, like, was with the the stag, which I believe it was either on Tumblr or... <laughs> something Brian Fuller said, but like in season one, at least the stag is like the dire raven stag because it looks like it's got like feathers on it, like mm-hmm. raven feathers or something. Yeah. And throughout season one, we see that stag slowly turn into Hannibal, basically. Like it becomes like we like we don't fully see like Hannibal Wendigo in season one until Will kind of starts realizing that Hannibal is the Chesapeake ripper and so like the stag is something helpful and now that we've got these two separate things in season two it's sort of like is it helpful and like who is it helping who is it guiding and and why like is it helping will to realize the danger that he's in or is it like just another trick right since we kind of see these two symbols as one thing in season one and then they separate so, but as far as like, I don't know why they had to go with like antlers and shit in season one. Cause I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if like the Wendigo, like if they were thinking that the whole time or if it just like, it looked cool. And mm-hmm. that is one of the, like in Red Dragon, the Garrett Jacob Hobbs is mentioned and, but it's not like a huge part of the plot. Um, I could, see, that, it, yeah, I could I see it being shorthand for like, you know, deer or prey animals. You keep a trophy of a deer. Yeah. Serial killers often keep some sort of trophy or like, you know, memory. The antler room is scary as fuck looking. Yeah, antler rooms are scary. They kind of look like bones. They look like trees. I feel like, you know, we can talk about like the art of this season Mm -hmm. more, but, you know, there's a lot of like human nature hybrid art that's happening throughout. Yeah, and antlers look often like branches. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and it's like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Leon. Oh, it's uh, it's very interesting that indeed, like I think the show purposefully picks these very broad images like antlers, so that it is precisely not trying to be a singular definition, so that you can spread yourself upon the canvas of this show. Mm. Uh, you can have this, you know, <laughs> in whatever way you like. But it's so it structures itself so that you are. <laughs> this sounds really pretentious. I'm so sorry, but you are the detective of this detective show. You are the one that goes through the psychological trauma alongside Will. Maybe true, but that it is, is true. It is you. <laughs> but but everybody's going through the psychological trauma, so that's not the final yeah. trait. Because we are is also very special. Well, I don't know special, but it's originally the detective novels and like type of literature we don't know who did it and we already know it's Hannibal you know it's it's Hannibal right. and a couple other guys but many Hannibal and so and so on so we, this question is already answered so this lists room for 
a different kind of journey. And that journey is like, how do I feel about two men liking each other and murdering each other and doing all kinds of things to each other? And, and, and I think I like it between. a lot. So, <laughs> quite. But next question. <laughs> well, well, sure. It's because then we have to ask ourselves, like, how do we feel about that? But also, how do we deal with like what what comes after? Like, how much do I want to be changed? And do how much uh, am I getting caught up in Hannibal's Hannibal's antlers and so forth and so on? And what I find really interesting is because of the multi-definitional purpose of the antlers. Uh, one of the thing that antlers stand for in one of, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know which culture it was, but the antlers are a very special object because they grow outside the body. And we see this Ooh, happening to yeah. Will when he's imprisoned in his little box, his, his safety mm-hmm. box. And <laughs> the antlers literally grow outside Will and through the prison as well. Maybe probably sim- symbolizing something along the lines of we have to embrace a part of what Hannibal has given us or the Chesapeake Ripper has given us in order to free ourselves from this prison. And he kind of does. I like it thematically and dramatically. Logically, this is not a very strong uh, show, but that's fine because the drama is so good. So it's cool. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And I think that's like where it goes back to fairy tales too, where like, I read this interesting, I think it was in, yeah, it was in this book, Hannibal's Fairy Tales, that the difference between horror genre and a fairy tale or a folktale genre is horror is like extremely surprising. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's like lurking around the corner. You know, usually you're like in a lot of slasher movies and things like that, like you spend half of the movie as a character saying that that thing doesn't exist. And, (laughs) you know, like it couldn't be real. But fairy tales are the opposite where you're just like, yeah, of course, there's a witch who eats children in the woods. Like, of course, this is happening. Like get with the program. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like these things are normal. And so like, I think that's maybe why sort of like the wild symbolism that sometimes doesn't cohere yeah. <laughs> feels okay or feels very vibes based season yeah because you're just like <laughs> i don't know what that me i don't know why he picked the wendigo specifically other than you know can i mean obviously it's cannibalism and and themes of that but like it could have been another animal i mean it could it have been a, an owl or a raven instead of a stag like what would that have meant well, they don't but, like have he am- did Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, right. It has to be. <laughs> to be it's gotta be antlers. And uh, they also uh, antlers also represent jackalope. Yeah. Or a moose. Or a moose. Yeah, and but antlers also represent like uh, growing closer to. It's a very spiritual object in a lot of cultures because they grow towards the heavens and towards the sky and so forth and so mm. on. And you're closer to God and so forth and so on and like. Hannibal talks about God a lot in this episode, a lot more than in, in the other one, which Good is interesting, Lord. but I don't think we have time for that. But yeah, we it, do. This very, uh, <laughs> and if you look at the crown, like the, the top of the skull of the deer, and uh, if you draw a line like straight up, it intersects with the top of the uh, antlers as a like a crucifix, which Christians go, <gasps> crucifix, crucifix. Like, you know, they, they love their crucifix. Yeah, they do, they pog face. Like... Yes, precisely. <laughs> they do They're the like, meme, see? like well, Yeah, precisely. It's a crucifix, see? guys. So that's why it's also an important animal in like their little mythology or their movie, little mythology. You know, the, their, the thing that they have going on. Um, yeah. And it's, and I'm so sorry, but it's also a, in a lot of cultures, it's a 
expression of male energy or whatever the fuck that means but um yeah virility women cannot have that that's just right. antlers are for the boys that's uh i'm sorry well and the bigger they are the better they okay. are yeah size, is, <laughs> yeah size matters and it's hey and, i can appreciate a good antler right yeah, y'all <laughs> and the last thing i'll say about it's it is that <laughs> we have it's it's also a symbol of regrowth and becoming and uh, yes. like becoming like approaching creation because they fall off, grow back, fall off, grow back. And I think that's very interesting that given what we said a lot in the last episode about how being recognized in the face of the other can lead to radical protein changes in the human character. It's th- I was very like positive and utopian about that because I'm depressed. But um the- <laughs> But why did you like your depression? <laughs> no, no, no. Post- that, post- it's, yeah. You know, it's totally fine. That, that's why I said it. But it's interesting that, you know, I went with a very positive interpretation of this. And it doesn't have to be. Change is not bad or good unto itself. It's mm-hmm. it's whatever. It's the core principle of human existence. And I, I find it very interesting that the antlers, as broad as they are, represent all these kinds of things. And yeah. Will is kind of caught in between being in a prison and not doing anything or being impaled wink on uh, hannibal's antlers like Ooh, shrike because uh, the shrike impales its prey and so he gets entangled with hannibal's antlers up to a point but that also hurts him that also penetrates him because that's how hannibal quote-unquote loves I don't know if we are allowed to use that word, but that's how his passions manifest. And also, cannibalism is taking someone else into you. So yeah, so it's it's all very neatly tied up. I would yeah. say it all flows over into each other because it doesn't want to draw these permeable borders. In my opinion, and and just like antlers, my train of thought has diverged. Yeah. It has two possible paths it can okay. go down. Let's talk about both. It's all coming together. (laughs) But let's choose which one. So there's like I would love to talk about like this is very much leading me into wanting to talk about like how psychedelic this season is, Mm -hmm. both like literally, but also like in in vibes as well as yeah. I let you see me, know me scene. You know, Mm -hmm. like with like the the knowledge of the other. I let you see me scene after you like guts will. Yeah. (laughs) So which which do we? Oh. I'm doing like a V. Well, we can get to both of them, but I do yeah. think yeah, if we talked about the psychedelic, like I think we talked mm-hmm. about aesthetics, the murder yeah. tableau. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like again, I think there's an interesting thing that happens by season two where you have like the you know serial murder tableau that happens in every episode. They all look like they're made by the same person. Which yeah, again, well, everyone, what's our favorite? one this season okay but i mean i but before we yeah. do that but again yeah. like that adds to the sort of fairy tale quality that like it is a yeah it is a like world it's either the same person it's everybody went to the same like had the same mfa program <laughs> with an extremely um same intense program director named mm-hmm. hannibal Lecter. but yeah what's your favorite murder tableau of the season i will go with the one that unearthed me the most and ironically it wasn't a murder but it was like the lobotomy woman uh oh. by far she's and, so creepy because because yeah. she is at this be- once again at this beautiful intersection of real and not real as in you do have these weird quacks that believe in like locally sourced nature ingredients and so forth and so on which that that's that iceberg goes deep and we just yeah. <laughs> will not i will not yeah, get it into starts right now. with locally sourced produce and ends with it, getting trepanated <laughs> 
you know? Yeah. It, it's it's very so that's that's the thing that's also very much going on. So it seems very real to me. And like, oh well, I thought I was helping him, which reminds me a bit of like the weird like American Christians you have about like well yelling at women who are going into Planned Parenthood because I'm saving them from damnation. It's like this type of like psycho to me. That's yeah. very concerning. The exterminating <laughs> angel kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Precisely. So yeah, the the whole the whole dark beehive guy. And the guy that's left alive with being all hollowed out. Oh, that, yeah. That's, that was the worst. That, very, oh, guys. Jay, go, what's go. your favorite? So when they like do the fake out of the the red the red dragon fake out of Freddie Lowndes being oh, burned yeah. alive in like the wheelchair, but when the grave is disturbed and it's like the Shiva mm-hmm. uh, position, uh, like when the body is posed like Shiva, just because I think that's cool. Um, I also <laughs> remember watching the season and being like, did they put a fucking other kid in Hannibal? With the guy that thinks he's the <laughs> has like the identity disorder oh, and thinks yeah. he's a giant animal, I was like, "Did they put a fucking other? Are I we doing other kin Tumblr like twenty ten discourse? <laughs> like we could do a whole um, episode yeah. just talking about a man who makes like a mech suit to be <laughs> an animal." <laughs> Yeah, like, and it's also a creation of Hannibal. Paging Donna Haraway. <laughs> yes. Um, I do love that they were set up at a little murder date by Hannibal. Like, okay, now, now it's my turn. I'm going to send someone after you. You send the non-solitary yeah. hog guy after me. Now we have the guy dresses yeah. up. I'll do you like one better. <laughs> Actually, they're yeah. flirting. I like the, well, I okay, I'm going to cheat because I, I like the tree of life guy. Oh, yeah. But I also wanted the, to, I, what? The silo guy. Oh, that's the one I'm going to talk about so the silo guy i have a quote from lawrence fishburne that like made me like it even more um well first of all the some of the inspiration for it comes from a a busby berkeley like choreography i love busby berkeley (laughs) yes so you know like the aerial shot of all these people laying down into a pattern you know comes from like yeah like old you know like queer musicals which is fantastic um, the light parade or whatever the hell yeah uh, but so Lawrence Fishburne said when they were filming it that you know they used all real live models and they heated the floor so that like people oh, wouldn't get really cold which was very kind. nice that was very nice <laughs> yeah. of them but he said this is like the weirdest hottest thing to say when you walk in you're hit with the scent of human flesh and pheromones and all you want to do is lay down with all of them and go to sleep and I was like okay Lawrence Fishburne okay Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne. But I love I love that. I love I love how like extremely gruesome, you know, the installation is, obviously. But then like the behind like the making of it is extremely like sensual and like apparently it just was like a fucking cuddle puddle which is really funny and just like the idea of smelling all of those people is pretty amazing but i also just love that the best way to see that piece is by like climbing up the silo and like looking down you know like it's just an interesting like for artists 
it's really like Yoko Ono. Yeah, it's like, like you know, you yeah. have to become part, you climb up the ladder. You have to become yeah. part of the performance or part of the installation by like making this journey to see this thing. And this is the best way to see it. And like, if you just walked into the room, you would have a completely different experience of it. Yeah, it's, it's really embarrassing. I Hannibal says something along the lines of like, oh, when when we talk about nature versus nurture, I say neither. It's like we are. Co- made according to a biological blueprint and we are set in a world that we, with events that we cannot control. And I will come clean and say, I did say that to my high school philosophy professor. I'd say, <laughs> trying to be interesting. This is 10 years ago, so give me some slack. But uh, how far I've come, if anything. But it's Host uh, amongst <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do need people to know that I did quote Hannibal to my Incredible. philosophy teacher in high school. You're like, well, Hannibal Lecter once said... <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say that. But I, no, uh, I know. <laughs> I, do, I do love Hannibal's. Like he, the problem is, like that he's just so interesting. As in, what is he going to do with his little plastic suit thingy that he is on? Oh and my he god, goes I for, love Hello. his sexy <laughs> plastic suit. Yeah, it's so and, good. And they don't fight each other, which I find really interesting. Like Hannibal uses his powers of persuasion and manipulation to the show calls it persuasion. They should have called it manipulation, but it's fine. Yeah. He, should, he uses manip- uh, manipulative powers to like sew him into his own artwork, which is like such a interesting indication of power and like, but also very interesting continuation of the work itself. And like this little, like little love your work. Yeah, I love your work. Such a little cunt. I love him. Yeah. I have a slur to say. Like. That's what I love because the <laughs> subject material is so serious. But at the same time, the dialogue is sometimes beautiful, but also very silly. It oh, literally opens. Yeah. It opens like it's like on the, the secret line. history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, kinda. let's and not get into that again. <laughs> it has, yeah. yeah, but it's deeply. Yeah, you're right. And like, there's so many like little winks to the audience because like the detectives have no idea what's going on. Like yeah. they are so in the dark the whole time. You they, know? they were willing like, to believe it was Chilton or something. Like, come on, guys. Like, I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> He's Bobby and Company. He's not a serial killer. Can you imagine? Imagine you know. Dr. Chilton being the like the person who did all of this like amazing beautiful work. Come on. <laughs> also that. I love the little conversation he He's has a with vegetarian. Billy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Also that. Oh my. No. <laughs> um Yes, this Hannibal asked this when they're still therapists in therapy. This conversation with Gillian Anderson, I forgot her name. But um uh, Bedelia de Maurier. Yeah. She uh <laughs> They have this literally this sitcom line conversation as in, oh, you're obsessed with Will Graham. I'm intrigued by Will Graham. You're intrigued <laughs> obsessively by Will Graham. She, she, she always talks like really low yeah. like this. Hannibal. Oh. <laughs> she takes a lot of you a lot of that <laughs> She's very breathy. Yeah. yeah. She she downs a couple out of van with like a, a good for her. Delicious <laughs> French crisp wine every morning. She's on that shit that got Kamala Harris on. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> She's doing great. <laughs> Feeling no pain. Even when she's scared, she's just like, I'm yes. terrified. You also have oh, Will please. fake crying, which is hilarious. In the beginning, like, oh, I need your help. And like, and then like it's almost edgy, but it works within this show. Like he then he stops crying, like this, like this scene straight out of Telenova or something. Like, haha, call an ambulance, but not for me. Like that type of thinking. It's really <laughs> fascinating. Oh my god. So Jay, what was the other what was the other antler direction we were gonna go in? The I let you see me know me 
like conversation because it's like 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 leon said like in that the first season is very much like them seeing themselves reflected in the other Mm -hmm. right like that kind of thing and season two like we get this like the the confrontation between will and hannibal right like we open the season with it kind of you know it's the one with jack but still like and then we end with it and it's Hannibal penetrates Will, you know, he guts him with a linoleum knife and like very much has the like make out clutching the back of the head as he's got him close and their faces are close together. And you, he, you see Will just go <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Um, and then he like, he's like on the ground bleeding out and Hannibal now covered in blood. He's not got his gay little plastic suit on. He's like, his shirt's like kind of open and everything. And he's just like, looks disheveled and he like looks at him. And he's like, I let you see me know me yeah but you didn't want it like but you didn't want it like that's the line that gets me and so it's like this sort of seeing yourself reflected in the other this sort of like difference and otherness but this like mystical oneness that like these two are like a yin yang with each other right and it's like we see what happens when that sort of when there's tension put on that like it's finally realized kind of well it's finally realized at the end of season three when they kill a guy together spoilers hey spoilers (laughs) (laughs) no it's not not. but but it's like this sort of like will fails the test right he betrays hannibal and hannibal knows it and then so hannibal's like i forgive you for betraying me but will you do the same and then he kills aunt abigail right and so it's like like will wasn't ready you know it's like the transformation isn't complete yet I mean, because this this season, all a lot of the murders and things that happen are very much about transferring from one oh, state of yeah, being to another, absolutely. and not just from being alive and then dying. No, but like, like a man to a beehive, a man to right. a bee. Like, there's a lot of the guy who in the in the animal mech suit, man, like, when he turns into a saber toothed tiger. It's so scary. That is a beautiful. So dumb. (laughs) No, it's beautiful. I so this reminds me of. I hate that this isn't a visual medium, but there's um. I guess the tree, the tree man, is inspired by a sculpture from the La Musée de la Chasse in Paris, which you can do like a a tour online. It's not the same, but just like look at all the fun stuff that they have there. It's a fucking crazy museum. They have like a a collection of like royal dog collars, you know, just for dogs, Jay. <laughs> you said royal and I was oh, like yeah. for the oh. royal dog. <laughs> no, but they are they are I forget for dogs. that dogs wear collars. Yeah, right. Real <laughs> doggies wear collars. <laughs> oh, well. But anyway, um fuck it, me. <laughs> oh my god. I don't even remember where I was going. <laughs> Art back to art i don't know <laughs> um about the the saber tooth guy and then the, oh you know, yeah it was, like it was just beat. really yeah. hot yeah just amazing like the um the display and it's cool because it's in a museum so it's like you know yeah the art is a piece in 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 the museum yeah. No. No. I definitely agree with transformative properties of this season. It's it's uh, very interesting, but I would have to uh, slightly disagree on the fact that you know they don't see each other reflected in each other. Hannibal sees himself reflected in Will, and Hannibal is a fucking narcissist. That's why he makes a whole point about like, oh, I let you see me, like bitch, you're supposed to be seen. It's simple. It's normal human communication. Like, why would you make such a point out of that? But it's. <laughs> 
that's only a narcissist that isn't manipulative. It's like, yeah, I'll let you see me. Like, okay, great, dude. But the whole point is that Will doesn't see himself in Hannibal. So he needs to be made to see that he sees himself in Hannibal. They aren't mm. yet at the yin and yang stage, but becoming this yin and yang thing is what this whole season is about. We see Hannibal tactfully manipulate all these things in order for Will to become like more like a diorate stack or whatever that thing represents. I think it's Will, but really, I'm open to anything at this point. But yeah. <laughs> we, we, we do see uh, Hannibal gently oh not very gently mildly seizuring a will into like a reflection of himself and it's a very interesting way that it both happens psychologically and it happens slightly sociologically as in we have this little very small but this little critique of the prison industrial complex where will is literally put in prison and that's part of Hannibal's plan because the prison functions as a meat cleaver to separate him from society which is often the role conflicts uh, conflicts experience in uh, society and how the prison industrial complex uh, functions so will needs to be cut off from all the other avenues alana bloom that's why that's why he's fucking alana bloom i, I don't think that was very well built up but i do love that do. like <laughs> that like threesome though yeah besides the, the, the transcendental uh the transcendental psychedelic like, foursome threesome thing was kind of funny yeah um but i don't think the chemistry between all they're great act actors and actresses but um they do have good chemistry in season one where uh, he gives her beer <laughs> i think why haven't we ever like that was a cute scene why but i don't we? think yeah like necessarily worked for them to have like weird moaning for the uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, over into each other like that kind of sex but all power to them but it does make things once again more interesting and so we see how abusers and manipulators uh, cut off other people psychologically so that they are the only attachment figure that they have because once again mm -hmm. the relationship we have with other people leads to transformative properties and so forth and so on and I've, another beautifully written abusing line is well the greatest shame like this is after Will is like not convicted but he, Hannibal's having dinner with Alana and Jack I believe I'm not quite sure but he says something along the lines of, well, the greatest shame would be to walk away from what you have experienced. That, that's like the big, baddest thing you can do. No, we need to like double down. And that's literally sunken fallacy cost, like a sunken cost fallacy. Like it's such a beautifully well-written abusive line. And same goes with like the whole, I'll, I'll let you see me. Like, and the beauty of this show is that I'm go, oh my God, yes, Hannibal. Like, oh no, wait, so, sorry. That, that's, <laughs> you're, you're a piece of shit. I forgot. I forgot you eat people. Fuck. <laughs> so that's, that's what I love about this show. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah, and like that reminded me when you were talking about Will in prison, how much like I remember all of the like advertising and like promotional stuff for this season. And because like season one ends, like we get the like infamous like the the mask mm -hmm. but it's will in it yeah um and like will is where hannibal should be for a lot of this season and so it's like even in like the like i used to have a shirt i have a picture i will i will show it to you at some point like me in a shirt that's got will with the um, the, the carnival yeah. the muzzle on right but it's like clear this time um and so dogs, it's like they're you know. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a lot of like putting like even with the audience, like doing a lot of like we know that this is symbols that you recognize, but we're like upending them. We're going to put Will there in instead of Hannibal, like putting Will in the season where we would expect Hannibal 
to be and kind of like vice versa sometimes. So it's just like interesting the way that the show, like if you already know about, if you've read the books or you've seen Silence of the Lambs or you've watched Manhunter or anything like that, like what your expectations are with these characters as we start getting into aspects from the books that are out. Yeah. Right? Because uh, the first season, eh, the Garajika Hops thing is a little bit yeah. from Red Dragon, but the rest of season one is like, there's some quotes from Red Dragon and I believe Silence of the Lambs in there, but like it's <laughs> um, season two, we actually start getting, I, I haven't read Hannibal Rising, but like we start getting into Red Dragon, like yeah. with the Bergers. And, that's um, and so it's things that people know. Yeah. That it's things people know, but they're different. You know, that's mm-hmm. super interesting that like, there's again, like that idea of like repetition, but difference where it's like, these are, these Jill are things. Alarm. <laughs> These are things that are happening over and over again that have already happened, but now they're happening to different people. Like or it's a new set of anthers. Yeah, and that's also psychedelic, right? Like in the season, there's a lot of like scenes of like the hypnosis stuff and people being on various psychedelic substances mm-hmm. or whatever. But also just like the effect on the audience, I believe, is also a very psychedelic one with this sort of upending and repetition and everything and the way that it plays with all of these things that like causes you like the the one time I did LSD it felt like everything was kind of shifted just a little bit it was like everything was kind of normal but it was like to the left a little right Mm. and I feel like I get that same kind of experience watching Hannibal season two Mm -hmm. where it's like it feels weird it feels off off just a little bit it's yeah it's like a little off kilter a little bit like I keep expecting certain things and it's like no no do something else. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be weird with it. Yeah. I'm gonna be weird with it. So I, I feel like and I don't know, y'all don't have to reveal your own experiences with psychedelics, but like of the psychedelic, either like in experience like how like art or films or even reading or like how is do y'all experience like what this season is doing with psychedelia you go ahead Kay. well i've done i mean i still like to do mushrooms from time to time i haven't done acid in a long time um, i would love to try mushrooms well oh i was just about to like do something illegal never mind i'll talk to you offline <laughs> yeah but mushrooms are great they're less here <laughs> yeah i think there is like you know part of taking, yeah leon can talk about it yeah, part of taking, <laughs> just, just uh, message me and i will right. say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right i'm in amsterdam right yeah. now <laughs> yeah we're having right. a sleepover it's great um, don't worry about Denver. it yeah uh part of you know the experience of taking psychedelics is to change and experience trans transformation and like Mm -hmm. you know the whole thing of like will is becoming you know is like a big part of psychedelics i think where you're you sort of accept you know that you are becoming and like a lot of i think for me like i like to take mushrooms outside that's like the the most important thing for me and like i remember this one time i did it with uh, my spouse and we were sitting on a lake and like a lot of it like after you're on mushrooms feels like really like it's like too sincerely cheesy but it's important it's like profound like we should be okay we should be okay with that shit but like we were sitting on this lake and all these dragonflies were fucking (laughs) hell yeah and making so much noise and we were just like we're part of this like we're breathing and we're listening to the dragonflies wings beating (laughs) you know and like that's a big part of 
I think like a psychedelic experience is like feeling like you're part of like the breathe like because there's a lot of like breathing feelings um with mushrooms and acid where you're like the trees are breathing at you and you're like breathing back at them mm. love me some trees also grow very close to the heavens they're kind of like antlers i'll stop now but yeah it's it's uh the drugs are also kind of like antlers about the regrowing and like and so forth and so on but <laughs> last time i promise i promise <laughs> welcome <But laughs> to leon's new yeah. podcast antlers <laughs> everything is antlers, antlers actually, when you think about it. So, you know. <laughs> everything is antlers <laughs> <laughs> I've had 2022 movie. No, it's so yeah about 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 drugs. I <laughs> I'm very neurotic, so I I'm okay with shrooms, but I'm not okay with LSD. I I, I got I went to too much, so I'm not yeah. I'm not inviting that part of my brain open. All power to the people who do, but I I, I don't have enough confidence in myself for that. Um, Sometimes I feel like it's a drug for the young, you know, LSD. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I had a lovely time. I just like <laughs> read Leaves of Grass. Really? And, like, oh, I get like yeah! all... I was myself. Wow. I was touching the pages. Right. I I watched Singing in the Rain. It was a great time. Yes, it was Amazing. lovely. But I uh, yeah, I had a great trip. What I love about like both drugs and this show and how they overlap with each other is that yes, taking recreational stuff can uh, lead to new neurological pathways, which facilitates new becoming and so forth and so on. And I think that's once again that's what Will is fighting with. Like that's what the what to me the Wendigo versus the Stag represents. It's Will's struggle with what do I become? And we love we love to see a good couple that can enhance each other's qualities and and <laughs> be recognized in the, into the face of the other does when like you have you have a good thing going like you have non-problematic love whatever that means then you can become a different thing that is good that you love that you want and that's the beauty of love and affection and the relationship with each other and <laughs> oh good? i have a thing to say about that yes okay continue okay sorry and and i was going with this it was going to be profound and smart i promise <laughs> But but sadly, when we are in a relationship with an abuser, we also have that they're domineering and things that they want to imprint onto us or make us become. Mm -hmm. That is also that can be such a profound struggle and that can take place in so many different ways. And we see that with Will and Hannibal once again, because Will's like, <laughs> I love this show, but Will is like suddenly very okay with killing a person. Like, yeah, I'll send you after Hannibal. It's like it was this very moral high ground you had. Is like, oh yeah, you talked about non-solitary hawks with me. Okay, go kill Hannibal. <laughs> so I do love that. And I do love how Will's competency, because Will is potentially really impressive with all the autodidactic skills that he has and so forth and so on. It's capped by him being a confused little fucker. And I can relate to that because like, I had this very bad relationship with uh, my ADHD medication, for instance, where the drawbacks of that when it's uh, the Adderall starts to like not work very well or when you stop taking it, I had like problems with sleeping and all those things accumulated into a very dubious state of mind. So I was like, oh my God, I can recognize myself in Will. Like, not not really, dear listener, don't worry. But it was very unpleasant and so forth and so on. Even though it was at first not very unpleasant. But yeah, so this mm. and this this drug, especially like the ADHD drug, is like, oh, I become more myself. Like I become a lot of Leon in a very short time. So to speak. <laughs> 
And but then the drawbacks of that are also like making like I got far much more irritable and so forth. Like, oh my god, am I like this as well? And the answer is yes. But you do need to have like a responsible relationship with the substances you take and so forth and so on. And yeah. I got lucky. I you know I didn't have anything else bad going on. But that was like the the confusedness of it that I felt made me made the the character of Will a lot more accessible to me. That's that's the point. There you go. Sorry, Jay. What, what, did you, what did you want to say? I got very excited. Um, so, um, and this could be a way to like final discussion point, unless other unless folks have other things to say. So, leading up to Valentine's Day, I decided to finally read "In Praise of Love." Oh, um, I'm reading it too. By, hey, by oh, Alain Bourdieu. I'm probably saying that wrong. No, that's right. Um, Bourdieu. But um, you was I, close. <laughs> Fuck you, Leon. Leon. You was close. I wouldn't have said it if you asked. But the very first chapter of it, because I've only gotten like a couple chapters in, is called Love Under Threat, right? And a big argument he's making in it, what he's talking about is, and I have a couple quotes I want to say in it, is like that there is no such thing as a love without risk. And, and when you said like unproblematic love, I'm like, there's no such thing as an unproblematic love, according to like Baidu. Like there's always going to be risk with with love. Like, let me finish. Um, there's always going to be like, at least according to Baidu, like there's always going to be like risk with love. That is like something you willingly enter into with another person. And that like, like one of the, the things he says in here is clearly in as much as love is a pleasure almost everyone is looking for, the thing that gives meaning and intensity to almost everyone's life, I'm convinced that love cannot be a gift given on the basis of a complete lack of risk. And then he starts talking about like this one dating app and they sort of compare it to the smart bombs in Zero Dead Wars. Like, oh, here are these bombs that are only going to kill the exact person that we mm. want. Nope, civilians, wink. They're just going to kill the exact right person every time. No risk here, totally clean. You can feel good about it. And uh, the thing he says then is that like... The second threat love faces is to deny that it is at all important. The counterpoint to the safety threat is the idea that love is only a variant of rampant hedonism and the wide range of possible enjoyment. The aim is to avoid any immediate challenge, any deep and genuine experience of the otherness from which love is woven. However, we should add that as the risk factor can never be completely eliminated, like this one dating app, like the propaganda for imperial armies, <laughs> says that the risks will be everyone else's. And then goes on to basically compare like the idea of like love without issue, love without risk, love without any chance of problems mm -hmm. as the same kind of falsity that like israel is doing right now where they're saying we're not we're not killing civilians it's just that all of these people are terrorists they're, they're in the civilians. way well, they're yeah. in the way right you can feel good about what we're doing right so like to say that there is a love without any problems a love without risk is to like ignore the very real messy realities of being a person and so like for Hannibal and Will, like I, I just saw, like I was when I was like looking because I, I also like like looking at the behind the scenes quotes and stuff. Like Brian Fuller said that like if season one, I have it right here. Da, 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 da. 
if season one is the bromance and fuck you, Brian Fuller, it's a romance, then season two is the horrible breakup, right? Mm-hmm. So it, like the love between Hannibal and Will, like the kinds of like, like we see Hannibal with Alana and that's shown to be their kind of two equals, right? There's no risk there, but there is because it's being hidden because it's under maybe false pretense and Hannibal's I mean, also know what he really a is. serial killer. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, I don't know, there's just a lot about like the darkness of what it means to connect with another person and like I, I only a queer person could tell this story this way right where it's like there's always going to be darkness with another person you see the monster in the other person if you love them but do you accept that monster do you also love that monster and do they love the monster in you you know yeah that, that's not at all what uh, like non-problematic love like <laughs> I would say it means it's more like you know you can't have love with a true narcissist, which is what yeah. what uh, Hannibal is. Like you know, yeah. and I totally agree with what what uh, Baudier is saying. I, I just you know the un- the admittedly clumsy term of um, uh, non problematic love is more like you know you need to enter a relationship that's not like I'm going to dominate you in a non sexual way. Like you know I'm going to like you know do, <laughs> like change every part of your character. That's like you know clearly because yeah, but this is exactly what I what I said earlier about how my first reading in the first episode is a bit too soppy a bit too you know positive there's like you know there's always indeed uh, like a Baudieu very beautifully says there's always an element of risk in becoming I think I think what Baudieu is saying is that the to, I mean to me the element of risk and love is with sharing your heart mm-hmm. you know with being sincere with like feeling love deeply you know like mm-hmm. I don't think of it as like entering in, into a relationship with someone who is problematic like I agree with you Leon but I also agree I I agree with Badia too like I don't think that's what he's saying I think the risk part is the like you know there's a risk in in not having like a cold ironic distance with a person the closer yeah. you get to a person the more yeah that, that that's what i meant yeah yeah, yeah that like yeah. yeah there's a monster in you and like sometimes it's kind of funny and sometimes it's kind of horrifying and like you know i my partner calls me like a little gremlin all the time yeah. because i do a lot of like weird little gremlin things and like most of the time <laughs> it's like not a big deal <laughs> You know, like it's just silly stuff. But like, I wouldn't do that with a person I didn't love or I didn't like trust, you know, like, because that's like sharing a part of your personality with a person that like you're not sure everybody's cool with. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Like, this, it's funny that he calls it a breakup too, because I don't think it's a, I don't know, if Will and are Will and Hannibal breaking up in this episode or this mm-hmm. season or are they like in a torrid love affair? Yeah, it suffers a dramatic reverse but the problem is I can't say because we are dealing with the hindsight of me having watched season three and so I know where certain things are going which is very difficult for me to say whether or not this is a breakup I don't think so personally sorry Brian I'm gonna have to have (laughs) the altar and all that you know but uh yeah it's definitely like like in a romance novel where there's like the beat where it's like the meet cute and they start getting together they realize they break up and then they get back together we also didn't agree with romance with conceptualization so you know why would we agree with the, with the breakup part? Because it's just romance. <laughs> it's not bromance. Yeah, it is There's romance. no heterosexual explanation. There's no reason he needed to say bromance. 
As I, apropos of nothing, as a, as a final thing that I just want to say, I love the animal guy, the confused animal guy as well. I always have a soft spot oh, in my heart for yeah, the confused and the beautiful comedic timing of Matt Mickelson, uh, or I believe it's Matt Mickelson, or maybe it's Will. I'm so sorry. Maybe feel to correct me, but they ask him, "Is your caretaker in that horse?" Like. <laughs> Oh yeah. When he sews up the caretaker. (laughs) Peter is the caretaker in the horse. Come on. Like there's being in the closet and it's being in the horse. Anyway, so it's the little horse next to the door. Precisely. Oh yeah. It's it's that's right. That was from the the first season, the fucked up little horse. Uh, Didn't you say that they changed the horse this season? So I does anybody have a Google? Yeah, kind of. I, I feel like they need to commit to it, though. But that's I, I, I think the other horse was like a, whip, a horse that goes back and forth, like if a child plays on. And this is just a horse that stands on the ground. It looks no much more like a Trojan horse, which fits because they talk about Patroclus. There we go. That's that's oh, the yeah. line there. You're welcome. I had so much more to say about the monstrousness of seriality, but I feel like we could talk Ooh. about that in season three. <laughs> Yeah, like, because that'll be a good way to, like, tie everything up. I yeah, think. good, yeah. good plan, everyone. All right. We did that on purpose. Dear listeners, get excited about me talking about seriality, monstrousness, and serial killers. What do all those oh, things yeah. have in common? Cannibalism. Monsters. <laughs> Gayness. Hannibal Lecter. Gay shit. Antlers. More antlers. More antlers. Antlers. Y'all re- Even more. I have an ing- I have an English degree. Are you ready to hear me talk about William Blake? Yeah, we're going to talk about Blake. We're going to talk about cereals. A cereal. Some Jim Milk. We're going to talk about Italy. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about We're going to talk, talk about the fact that Brian Fuller denied me a swinger threesome and he teased my dick about it and then didn't do it in the episode in season 3 and I'm mad about it. Oh, I thought you meant for real. <laughs> No, they <laughs> almost do a threesome in season three. Oh yeah, but I thought you meant like you saw <laughs> oh. Brian Fuller on. Oh please, Grindr Jay would have already talked and... five times about that if that. Helped. I know. I was like, why is this the first time this is coming up? Rightfully so, by the way. Well, thank you so much. Uh, call me. Jillian Anderson, call me. Although I think she might be a turf. Yeah, I've heard. Don't of, call no. me. Heard don't tell well. me if you're a turf. Yeah. No, Jillian, don't do this. To I don't me. remember yeah, what it was, sure. but I sadly heard that rumor as well. Me too, but maybe it's just a rumor. Sometimes I hear these things and they're not real. Yeah, that that is true. Jillian, yeah. no, come on the Jillian. podcast, Jillian. <laughs> explain yeah, yourself. Jillian we will uncancel you. <laughs> yeah, I know. We I should find like... a cannibal episode of the X Files. That'd be good. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more uh, as a wrap up for me, I think the more that we talked about this season, the more the Wendigo makes perfect sense because yeah. Hannibal is like antlers whispering it's not because of the antlers <laughs> Hannibal so like is whispering in the ear of Will you know for the whole season on on the wind like you know kind of manipulating him and talking him into transforming in the I'm same right. way that he has yeah I love how disappointed he was when he didn't eat Freddy Lounge I know he was so excited to eat some of that long pig <laughs> so what is as the final as the last thing? What is okay. the, what's the gay, what's the gay metaphor for sex? Is it the cooking together or is it the murdering together? I think the murder is the blood is cum shot. <laughs> blood cum shot. Yeah, 
blood cum shot? I think the yeah, it's the blood it's the blood bukkake. I think it's getting <laughs> pierced by antlers personally. Oh yeah, right. Thank you so much. Just getting uh, hung up on a like imagine there's antlers hanging on the wall and someone just picks you up and puts you on them. It that's happens. Hot. Yep, that's it. Do it. You know who you are. <laughs> I uh I, I'm closing myself from this podcast as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Kate and Jay have no legal binding, representatory affection. Thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Oh, as always. thank you. No, I'm excited boy. to talk well, about. I love talking about gay cannibals. With yeah, we can talk about season three. We can talk about now that the strike is over. We can talk about. Oh yeah, we can talk about Silence in the Lands. Hell yeah. We can talk about Manhunter. We got so much to cover. Yeah. Hannibal Lecter just ghosting in and out and in and out of the gift that keeps on giving. Suddenly he appears on the page. The Hannibal without organs. I love him. <laughs> Chilton without uh, folks. Chilton without <laughs> organs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is, is Chilton the most Elysian character in yeah. all of media? Yeah, without organs, but always with antlers. He's missing organs, but he's still walking around, folks. Oh, yeah. Being alive. That same he he was Bobby and company. Oh right, yes, um, he's a, he was a man of the stage. He's very bisexual. Raul he's very good. Very yeah, very bisexual. Not just bisexual. Oh, yeah, he's very, very bisexual. bisexual. Yeah, everyone I <laughs> make mock. me confused. He does make me yeah. confused. Mock me with praise. Yeah, everyone should go watch Company. Uh, the version with him in it is Bobby. It's good. Leon, where the fuck can people find you? Yeah, you can find plugs. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Either just search left page or the left page. I'm so sorry, Frank. And here be media. And you can support us at patreon.com slash left page. Th- that's it. You don't need to find me. I- I'm outside of your house listening to Laura Palmer's theme. Plotting Always? it out. Always? Okay. Always. Yeah. Right there. It like a Wendigo. I'm saying it. Come on. Wait, yeah. Let's, let's make like snow Wendigo, angels. And, it is and you feel biting feeling. Again. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, this has been a tender subject episode. <laughs> It sure has. Antlers. Antlers. All right. I'll stop the recording now.